Good morning. It is an eventful week so far in the church leading up to Christmas. In the last couple of years, it's been like this. I always expect every year I have this sort of conflicting expectation. On the one hand, the track record is typically on a Marian feast day or thereabouts, we're going to get some really terrible document coming from Rome. But on the other hand, the rest of the world is generally slowing down. Not a lot of news out there in the secular world, except for some really troubling political news that came out last night, but we won't discuss that here because that's not the purpose of this channel. But I'm always wrong when I expect not much to happen. <laughs> so, as you know, I mean, everybody knows about the statement from the dicastery for the doctrine of the so-called faith at this point. And I say so-called because we are in full ape of the church mode at this point, folks. This is, let's abandon all pretenses to what we're talking to, to all of this. But here we have good news for once, I think. Um, the document was issued late on the 18th and uh, the world responded on the 19th. The secular media was ready to go. James Martin made sure everybody saw pictures of him doing the blessing authorized by the document in a way that conforms to everything you and I have been saying about this and not to what the Pope's planners have been saying. He made sure everybody saw those pictures. And then yesterday also, later in the afternoon, we got a flurry of responses from the better bishops. We're going to begin here by talking about the African bishops, where LaCroix talks breathlessly about how the African bishops aren't exactly happy about this and the faithful in Africa are not happy about this. Let's give you a little small portion of what they have to say in their article, which I'll have linked with all my sources today in my show notes at returntotradition.org. So starting with Africa, LaCroix from a French outlet gives us this breathless thing where they try to assuage everybody's concerns about this document. So here they go. Quote, it's been a while since we've been trying in vain to understand where, where the Pope wants to lead the church. This statement from an African priest with more than three decades of priesthood who wishes to remain anonymous conveys both his shock and his concern after reading the document Fiducia Supplicans. Immediately relayed by the press, this decision quickly became the center of conversations among African lay people and priests. We're overwhelmingly opposed to this possibility. While the solicited episcopates have not yet responded, the faithful do not hesitate to express themselves. How can this blessing lead these people towards conversion if the church considers them to be in sin, asks Francois, an Ivorian Catholic. For him, quote, to open a blessing, whatever the form of the rite, is at least to comfort these people in a situation from which they are nevertheless called to leave. He even considers that such a blessing could, quote, promote this way of life. It is noted here in the article that the chances of this happening on the African continent are exceedingly rare. It's also worth noting that the... um. Earlier this year, when this talk from Germany started happening and people started noticing that every major synod in the church, all the parishes, all the dioceses, you name a, you name a place, they were all asking for this, except Africa. And the African bishops collectively said no, that they were not going to do this. They would happily pray for anybody who was seeking to pull themselves out of a bad life and do a living in a, who know that they're living in a way not in accordance with the will of God. They'll happily pray for that person, but they will not impart blessings. That was the African bishops. <laughs> this is the, I'm happy to see this. What we're going to start seeing in the next few days is a flood of responses. I was originally going to live stream today, 
talking to you about how some lay leadership are responding to this because, and I'll probably do that tomorrow, unless like Vigano issues a statement or there's a longer statement from uh, Cardinal Mueller or something. But because there is a narrative being formed right there, um, I was made aware that there were some other Catholic YouTubers who were going after those of us who are pointing out the obvious about this and besmirching us because we're doing this and calling us dishonest. I won't say who they are. Please don't say in the chat who they are, but in general, the, what you're, the two letters that I have for you that are relatively short, one is three minutes and one is four minutes. I have them pre-recorded. They will dash that perspective entirely. The better bishops are saying this is worse than we are saying. Okay. They're saying all the stuff we're saying and more. So I'm going to check the chat before we go to the first one. Um, the <laughs> Catherine, that's funny. I can't put that on the screen or say it, though. Um, Dano says Arins should have been Pope. He should. He probably, if you were going to choose a, a, a cardinal archbishop from that part of the world, he'd probably make a very good choice. Um, Oh, yes, it is. A, thank you, Raven Ray, for reminding me of that since we're just five minutes into the stream. Today is Ember Wednesday. The church has no requirement that you engage in the traditional Ember Day fasts. Those were abolished. And even then, they, to my knowledge, they weren't required. But today is traditionally a day of fasting and abstinence and penance, often for vocations to the priesthood and things. So if you're going to keep the day, if you're planning to keep the Ember Days, it's Ember Wednesday, Ember Friday, and Ember Saturday. Again, up to you. There are other things like if you are like I have been, my my health has been off and on all year, so I can't. But I'm going to do other things in the spirit of it. So this would be a good day to offer something for vocations. But we're going to go right here. I think to the we're going to go right here to the first of these letters because th this is just. Fantastic. So I saw a reference to this one in the chat already. Um, Bishop Tomasz Peta and hopefully I'm saying his name correctly and or Archbishop rather. And then Bishop Athanasius Schneider put out a joint statement from Kazakhstan about this. I would put the words on screen, but I think at this point you understand how we have to be generally kind of careful with the subject matter. So here's their letter with me trusting that you, that you can understand the, when I have to, you know, dance around certain words that you understand what I'm saying. So here we go. Bishop Schneider, this letter is great. Statement of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Estonia regarding the Declaration Fiducia Supplicans, published by the Dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith and approved by Pope Francis on December 18th, 2023. The manifest purpose of the Declaration of the Holy See, Fiducia Supplicans, is to allow, quote, the possibility of blessing couples in irregular situations and James Martin pairings. At the same time, the document insists that such blessings are performed, quote, without officially validating their status or changing in any way the Church's perennial teaching on holy matrimony. The fact that the document does not give permission for the, for the parody of the of the nuptial sacrament that we're talking about here should not blind pastors and faithful to the great deception and the evil that resides in the very permission to bless pairings in irregular situations, especially of the James Martin type. Such a blessing directly and seriously contradicts divine revelation and the uninterrupted bimillennial doctrine and practice of the Catholic Church. To bless couples in an irregular situation and James Martin pairings is a serious abuse of the most holy name of God, since this name is invoked upon an objectively sinful union 
of sins of the flesh. Therefore, none, not even the most beautiful of the statements contained in this declaration of the Holy See, can minimize the far-reaching and destructive consequences resulting from this effort to legitimize such pairings. With such blessings, the Catholic Church becomes, if not in theory, then in practice, a propagandist of the powers that should not be, and their twisted ideology of the flesh. As successors of the apostles and faithful to our solemn oath on the occasion of our Episcopal consecration, to preserve the deposit of faith and purity and integrity, according to the tradition always and everywhere observed in the Church since the time of the apostles, we exhort and prohibit priests and the faithful of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Estonia from accepting or performing any form of blessing whatsoever, of couples in an irregular situation and of the James Martin type. It goes without saying that every sincere repentant sinner with the firm intention to no longer sin and to put an end to his public sinful situation, such as cohabitation outside of canonically valid marriage, uh, a union between those that cannot be together, can receive such blessing. With sincere brotherly love and with due respect, we address Pope Francis, who, by following the blessing of couples in an irregular situation and of the James Martin type, quote, does not walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. To borrow the words with which St. Paul the Apostle publicly admonished the first pope in Antioch. Therefore, in the spirit of Episcopal collegiality, we ask Pope Francis to revoke the permission to bless these couples, so that the Catholic Church may shine clearly as the pillar and ground of the truth, and for all those who sincerely seek to follow the will of God, and by fulfilling it, to attain eternal life. Signed in Estonia, dated 19th of December 2023, by Tomasz Peta, Metropolitan Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Estonia, and Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Estonia. Thank you, Shoemaster, for the super sticker. It is appreciated. Um, I do want to uh, just say that that, left, that was much more forceful than anything I was expecting, but I guess if the bishops are going to stand up and say anything forcefully, this is the time. And the fact that this all came, this all was released just before Christmas is astonishing in its brazenness to take a season, an advent of penance and grounding yourself in the truths of the faith to try to get those, all the things in your life that there shouldn't be there under control to, you know, go forth and sin no more, essentially, as we prepare for the coming of our Lord to issue such a document as that at this time, that's wicked. And I'm glad that the, the Kazakh leadership has come out and said it as much. And Colby is absolutely right. It's disgraceful right before Christmas. Um, there, I did receive a, a, a note, a letter from somebody who will remain anonymous that there was an American priest who sent something to his to his parish that he will just absolutely refuse. Even though he's also trying to give it the most moderate interpretation of the document possible, he still refuses. Uh, Phlebitis, I will answer your question, but I won't put it on screen to, other than to say, does this mean that uh, that uh, the, the, st the standard mark of uh, the pairing uh, living in, uh, engaging in sins of the flesh can trot down to the parish office and likewise obtain a blessing with a variation. Yeah. sounds like it. I mean, there's good in it, isn't there? I mean, by the standards of this new document. So here we're going to go now to the other one. This is actually, this one won't surprise anybody, especially if you paid attention to my thumbnail and you saw the SSPX logo on there, the SSPX bishops, or the, the not bishops, but the 
the Superior General of the SSPX issued this document, his own response, and it's also very biting. And if I'm not mistaken, pay attention to this. If I'm not mistaken, he essentially accuses Francis of having lost the faith. Let me know when you hear this, if you if that's what you hear too. And I'm very glad they're stand, they're speaking up on this because one th- critique people often level at them is that they often try to play too nice with Rome. And I think that this will probably dismiss that concern. So here is from the Superior General of the Society of St. Pius X, who issued this document yesterday. Communique from the Superior General of the SSPX. And just a personal note, again, due to the subject matter we're talking about here, we will have to dance around some terminology that's used and use synonyms, which I am more than confident you will understand. He who loves me keeps and makes others keepers of my commandments. We are dismayed by the declaration fiducia supplicans of the prefect of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith on the question of blessings for couples in an irregular situation and pairings of the James Martin variety, especially since this document was signed by the Pope himself. Although it purports to avoid any confusion between the blessing of such illegitimate pairings and that of a traditional sacramental union in the holy matrimony, this declaration avoids neither confusion nor scandal. Not only does it teach that a minister of the church can call down God's blessing on sinful unions, but by doing so, it actually reinforces these situations of sin. The call for such a blessing would consist only of asking for these people in a non-liturgical framework that, quote, all that is true, good, and humanly valuable in their lives and in their relationships be invested, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Ghost. But to make those who live in a fundamentally flawed union believe that the same could have any positive value is the worst kind of deception and the most serious lack of charity towards these lost souls. It is wrong to imagine that there is anything good in a situation of public sin, and it is wrong to claim that God can bless those living in such a situation. Doubtless, every man can be helped by the prevenant mercy of God and discover with confidence that he's called to convert in order to receive the salvation that God offers him. And Holy Church never refuses a blessing to sinners who legitimately ask for it. But then this blessing has no other object than to help the soul to overcome sin in order to live in a state of grace. Holy Church can therefore bless any individual, even a pagan, but never in any way can it bless a pairing that is sinful in itself under the pretext of encouraging what is good in it. When we bless a couple, we do not bless isolated individuals. We necessarily bless the relationship that unites them. However, we cannot redeem an intrinsically bad and scandalous reality. Such encouragement to proceed pastorally with these blessings leads in practice inexorably to the systematic acceptance of situations incompatible with the moral law, whatever else is said. This unfortunately corresponds to the assertions of Pope Francis, who defines as, quote, superficial and naive, the attitude of those who force people to behave, quote, in a way for which they are not yet mature or of which they are not capable. This idea, which no longer believes in the power of grace and rejects the cross, does not help anyone avoid sin. It replaces true forgiveness and true mercy with a sadly weak amnesty and only accelerates the loss of souls and the destruction of Catholic morality. All the convoluted language and sophistical dressing up of the document of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith cannot hide the elementary and obvious reality of these blessings. They will do nothing more than reinforce these pairings in their intrinsically sinful situation and encourage others to follow them. This will merely be a substitute for Catholic marriage. 
In fact, it manifests a profound lack of faith in the supernatural, in the grace of God and the strength of the cross to live in virtue, in purity and in charity, in accordance with the will of God. It is a naturalistic and defeatist spirit that loosely aligns itself with the spirit of the world, the enemy of God. This is one more sure surrender and subjugation to the world on the part of the liberal and modernist hierarchy, which since the Second Vatican Council has been at the service of the revolution inside and outside the church. May the Blessed Virgin Mary, guardian of faith and holiness, come to the aid of the Holy Church. May she especially protect those most exposed to this chaos. Children now forced to grow up in a new Babylon, without reference points or a guide that reminds them of the moral law. Signed, Don David Pagliani, Superior General, on the 19th of December, 2023. And yes, I'm aware that's a picture of Bishop Fillet. I could not find a good picture that would not require extensive Photoshop to make work in the formatting of a YouTube video. Sorry, I just couldn't. So Fillet it was. But I hope nobody th- accuses the SSPX in that letter of being too nice. Because, again, it sounds like he's accusing Francis of having lost the faith with that do- with his response to that document. It's about as in your face a response as you could ask for from the SSPX, as strong voiced as you could expect to see. Now, there have been other responses that I've seen as well. Um, The uh, bishops of Austria have said that uh, no priest may reject a request for such a blessing. I have seen Cardinal Supich say some very positive things about the declaration from the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. And I'm reminded of something here. I didn't put it in my notes. I'm going to have to go to my email here because I need to find it. And I've kind of forgot to put it in here, but there is, there was something that I was remembered that I remembered. And it comes from blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. And I will see if I can find it again. I have like 900 emails in my inbox and it's really kind of distressing when people send me things that are not like CC me on things like emails and put me on chain email lists. Well, please stop doing that. But I was going to open the live stream with this. So instead I'm going to just wrap it up with this. This is from blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. One of her visions. She said, I had another vision of the great tribulation. It seems to me that a concession was demanded from the clergy, which could not be granted. I saw many older priests, especially one who wept bitterly. A few younger ones were also weeping, but others and the lukewarm among them readily did what was demanded. It was as if people were splitting into two camps. Now that's vague. I know, but that sounds like what we're seeing happen right now. Horvath asks a very basic question about synodality. That <laughs> Wasn't this topic supposed to be discussed in the next session of the Synod on Sin next year? So isn't this letter another proof that synodality is just a kabuki theater? Yes, and I suspect they're still going to discuss this at the Synod, that they're going to try to go further. Or they're clearing the table so that they can really talk about the main thing. Remember, synodality is the vehicle or it's the tool set that they're going to use to get all the things that Francis and Fernandez can't give them without causing an actual overt schism. It's the decentralization of the church, the putting a lot of decision-making into the powers of the so-called census fidelium. And I'm saying so-called at this point, because this is not 
Catholicism, what we're seeing. But people who have the synodal vision, we'll call it, will be the ones who will be able to determine what doctrine is. Now think about that and the implications of that. And remember the, the relation between doctrine and dogma. <laughs> okay, so think about what will happen when they get their vision, their decentralization of the church. That is what they're going for. This item will probably not be off the table, but if it is, don't be surprised. Maybe Francis didn't want to wait until October for his own reasons. Maybe he does, he's not sure he'll be around in October. We'll see. I'm On that note, I'm going to suggest the thing that you should watch next. Start thinking about major feast days, especially ones that traditionalists love. For instance, the, first, the January 1st, I don't even remember what it's called on the, on the new calendar, but it's a, the actually traditionally it's a, it's a different feast day entirely having to do with like a hint at our Lord's passion coming in the future, erased from the calendar, replaced with something new. Look at that day or look at Ash Wednesday for something about changes to the conclave. If Francis really believes his time is very limited, that is when you'll see it. You will see it sometime this coming year, and it'll be probably fairly early in the year, and it'll be absolutely implemented or released on a major feast day, or one that was on the old calendar, or an old calendar that traditional Catholics really love. They, that's their track record. Traditionis Custodis was issued on the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Okay, give you an idea. This new document was issued on an old feast day that's not on even the 1962 liturgical calendar. And from what I was talking when talking to somebody who keeps the 1954, which was the previous uh, uh, liturgical calendar, they said it's not even there, but it probably was like on the 19, I want to say 13 or something, but it was the feast of the expectation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which happens one week to the day before the nativity of our Lord. Expect it to be issued on something like that. Marcel says, I've been concerned about the SSPX playing nice too, but this was a clear denunciation. It could not really get clearer, short of them going as far as, say, the Marian Corps wants them to go. Like, I I think Vigano is clo the closest to, of any bit bishop you're going to hear to declaring Francis an antipope who's not a set of a contest. And you're not going to have the SSPX do that either. And actually, Vigano at Dr. Maza's conference said that... Uh, that we don't have the authority to declare Francis an antipope. <laughs> he said that. I presented to you that letter. Now, if Vigano issues a response, which I'm sure he's going to, if um, Mueller gives us something in writing, I will, or if I get a transcript, I will present it to you. But I, I'm trying. I'm hopeful that we'll get something from somebody who's not one of the the usual group of bishops we feature here. Lynn says, SSPX statement was concise, straight to the point. And orthodoxy is definitely not sounding nice in that statement, but just speaking the truth. Thanks be to God for the SSPX. I am very pro-SSPX. I'm also very pro-FSSP. Now, that might sound like a contradiction. Not really. I completely understand why the priests who left the SSPX in 1988 over the, the consecration of bishops did so. I completely understand why they did it. Even if I don't think Archbishop Lefebvre did anything wrong. My attitude is this stuff will be all worked out between the church hierarchy at some point and the bishops of the SSPX, whoever they are at that time. And that the SSPX are Catholic. Bishop Schneider has assured us of that. And he had an official capacity from the Vatican to go explore that question. I'm pro as many traditional priestly fraternities as you can give, as long as they actually do teach the faith. 
because it is more than merely the liturgy, but also the faith that the liturgy is supposed to express. How do we know where our own bishop stands on this? Pay attention to your diocesan Facebook pages or to your diocesan websites or your diocesan newspapers and their respective social media pages. That's where you'll see it. Sometimes the secular media will uh, will bring up this stuff too. If you're in Chicago, like Supich has already spoken. Um, I'm sure Wilton Gregory will be speaking soon if he hasn't already. Cardinal McElroy is probably already if he hasn't. I would be keeping an eye on some of the other bishops that we know are accounted among the better, but keep their head down. I'm curious to see what Archbishop Sample up in Portland is going to say as one example. Um, curious what my own bishop will say if he says anything. I actually suspect a lot of good bishops are going to remain silent, though. That's my suspicion on this, and they're quietly going to just ignore this document as best they can. Greetings to all of you checking in from around the world. I'm seeing people from Southeast Asia in the comments. Welcome. <laughs> I don't usually get a lot of viewers from that part of the world. How much of this is attributable to Francis versus Fernandez? I would say a lot of it is Francis. If you read the footnotes, it's all it seems all Francis. I would expect that Fernandez and Francis sat down and discussed the document at least. That Fernandez probably wrote the document, but it's entirely citations to Francis. And Francis signed it. He approved it entirely. And he say what you want about Francis's physical condition. No one ever says that he is that that he's um not fit upstairs to do it in terms of the job, even if they completely disagree with his theology. Colby, I don't pay attention to that figure. Um, after he held his own little conclave to declare Francis valid, I stopped paying attention to him whatsoever. I, I People are free to pay attention to who they want, though. Um, all right. If there are any further questions or in the chats, please let me know. A. Pinocchio asks, can donations bring be limited to local parish and not to Rome? So here's how it works. Most Sundays and most collections you do to your parish, there's what's called a diocesan tax where the diocese will take its own cut. I don't know what that percentage is. It might vary, but they take a cut. After that, the, uh, the Vatican takes its own cut as well of, the, of what the diocese takes. Except, and you will want to double check this because I heard this from the mouth of a priest several years ago. There are two, maybe three exceptions to this. And you want to make sure to double check this. Don't take what I'm telling you as the, as the gospel here. Of course, building funds, things that, the, you know, repairs around your parish, that, that, that fund stays in the parish, as do any ministry-specific ones. Like, if your parish has a Food for the Hungry program, that stays there. But it's also only for that. But there, here are the other exceptions. As was related to me by a priest many years ago, the Feast of the Nativity, Christmas, that collection stays in the parish 100%. That was from a priest several years ago. Double check that before you do what I suspect many are going to do with this information. The other one is Easter, same way. And the third one, and this is the one I'm the least sure of. So again, please double check this, the uh, parish's paternal feast. So if you go to a parish like the Immaculate Conception, whatever the feast day for the Immaculate Conception is, that collection. Now, granted, those collections move around. They're not always on a Sunday and they're not always holy days of obligation. But those, as I understand it, those are the ones that stay. Double check all of those before you do what I suspect. Because my wife and I talked about this. We were like, you know, we could just save money all year and then give it all on Christmas and Easter. 
It's a thought. However, you will run into the counter argument, which is that we are required as Catholics to support the work of our bishop, that we are to, as St. Paul warns us, to stay united to our bishop. It's also why you never hear me speak about my bishop on this channel unless I have something either positive or neutral to say, or, or hopefully it'll never happen. He does something so bad that I have to say something. But beyond that, I don't talk about him. It's general rule I have of mine to not talk about the bishops whose dioceses I go to mass in. Peter asked if this would be a situation that would produce extremely heavy attendance and a large influx of people who go to Mass of the SSPX. So the only people who are members of the SSPX are their priests, their seminarians, and their members of their third orders. And then maybe, I guess you could say, the religious orders associated with them. But if you mean like people go to Mass with them regularly, yeah. I mean, that happened after Traditionus Custodis, and so this will probably cause more of that, assuming you have access to such a parish. Not everybody does. Not everybody does or to the FSSP. Now that's the other group you want to watch because I'm confident that my bishops are not going to try to get them to do anything with these blessings. But some will. Some will. You guarantee it. Hello to you in Switzerland. Um, Luke suggests that a lot of people will, will go to mass of the SSPX and that Francis will excommunicate a lot of them. Well, maybe. Would it be a valid excommunication? No, but again, I'm the one who says that the excommunication of Archbishop Lefebvre was illegitimate too. And there's a lot of there's a lot of examples for why that is. All right, folks, very lively chat, but I think we're going to call it here. If there's anything else, are those distributions mandated? You mean the the the, the, the diocesan tax? Yeah, those are a matter of, as I understand it, those are a matter of canon law. So. Um, Yes, the parishes are required to give money to the diocese, and the diocese is required to send money to Rome. The way around it is to just give money for either for a very specific purpose. So, for instance, if your parking lot needs paving at your parish, you could write a check to the parish for the for amount of money explicitly for paving the parking lot. That will also stay there. Do with that what you will. That is a decision you need to make for yourself. I, I am not going to tell people to do that that much. Discern, discern, discern. All right. Let me um, let me know what you think of all this. If you're watching this later in the comments, please hit uh, like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help as the sharing this on social media. That helps too. Um, also, and always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>